Beyond Lumina, Episode 10, The Rescue. Officer Drop, said Abu Abila, who had now come out to the temple porch to greet the Ascendancy soldiers. This time it was only Drop and his two other officers that accompanied him. I'm glad you've returned. I would like to clear up this misunderstanding. No, there is no misunderstanding, great Abo, Drop mocked Abila. You refuse to hand over the Outlanders, and until you do, we will continue to hold more and more of your citizens, and be certain that I mean to fulfill the wishes of my superiors, who are not pleased with the way things are progressing here. Bear that in mind as you choose your next words. Of course, Abu Abila answered. I would like to apologize for my confrere's actions. The fact is that he did bring Outlanders to Kastia, and seems to have lied about it to escape any punishment. But as far as them being in the temple, I'm afraid I know nothing about that, and have had the entire temple searched to be sure, and would invite you to do the same to your desire. If you are looking for the Outlanders, they may still be on world, but I've made sure they are not here. Then it seems you have some fugitives on the loose you must find, Drop replied. And until you do, we will hold on to our prisoners to ensure that you are doing everything you can to assist in the search. And where is Photoclaus? He is in his quarters, awaiting further instruction for transgressing our laws and his vows, said Avila. Good, Drop started. Crag, go find the old man and bring him to me. Aye, sir, said his male subordinate, who then entered the temple. Perhaps we will release the others when you bring the Outlanders to us, but the Fodor is coming back to Evroth with us. Azik and the crew returned to Omnis in the grav car of the young woman from the Mushroom Grove, who is named Rini. Azik decided they would help get the Kostian citizens back, among which was Rini's father. He was just having a problem coming up with how they were going to do that. I'm just not sure, Azik started saying to the group as they started the short trip to Omnis, how we're going to do this without dooming your world to the Ascendancy's retaliation. No matter how successful we are now, they'll know that Kostia betrayed them and you'll be destroyed. It doesn't matter how much we try to make it look like an outside attack, they'll obviously tie it to us and the Kostians. Perhaps we try to make it obvious to them that they weren't involved, Villainy suggested. How do we do that? Azik asked. They're here for me, and surely they know what I look like. As soon as they see me, or any of you for that matter, they'll know exactly what's going on, and anything we do in Kostian space will obviously draw them here. But they don't know me, Wallace spoke up. What if we could take the ship and get them to think I was the culprit and it was totally unrelated? Who would be crazy enough to hijack an Ascendancy ship? Azik asked. And why would they do it? Us, Zario answered. That was a lot different, Azik replied. Wait, you've hijacked an Ascendancy ship? Bala asked, surprised. Is that how you got away from them at the asteroid near Ravina? Yeah, Azik said once more. But like I said, that was much different. We didn't need to convince them we were someone else with other motives. Well, Zarya started again. It's not unheard of for space pirates to take smaller Ascendancy vessels looking for loot or ransom, and the Ascendancy doesn't care enough to pay them. But this is a military ship, and it's certainly not small. But you're saying it's possible? Bala asked. 
We just need to convince them, once we're away from Costia, that we are pirates who want them to pay for the return of their crew. Perhaps we even tell them we want the ship. It's a long shot, answered Zarya once more, but it may be the only shot we have. Okay, Isaac said now. Then the first question is, we are going to hijack the ship without being tied to the Costians. How did we get on board without being noticed? Leave that to me, Greeny replied. I can get the soldiers' attention to let you have a chance to board. Are you sure? Isaac asked her. It could be dangerous. Who knows what they'll do, especially if they find out you were playing them. I'm sure, Greeny said again. It's the only way to free my father. I will do what I need to. It's going to be hard enough for one of us to sneak on board, Zarya said to his subordinates, Filidi and Usian. Why don't you guys stay here, keep an eye on things? We should be able to handle this ourselves. You seem pretty sure about that, Isaac responded. Of course, Zarya answered. We make a great team. He then stuck out his arm, holding a thumb in the air. What are you doing? Isaac asked him. Oh, it's just a gesture from Dasein. Seemed appropriate for the situation, Zarya replied. Alright, well, then let's get to the hangar, Isaac instructed. The trip there in the grav car didn't take very long, and the group snuck into the hangar through the side entrance, where they could scope out the situation from above on a walkway. There were four guards waiting around the Ascendancy ship, a modestly sized frigate, Isaac assumed for transporting the grav cars that Drop was using. But just like at the asteroid outpost, the sentries weren't too concerning. I'm sure I can draw them away. I will tell them I've spotted you, Rini said. Okay, Isaac answered. Villani, Usian, just keep your eyes on the situation. Make sure she's alright. Not a problem, boss, Usian affirmed. And here, Isaac began to reach to his belt as Usian's eyes lit up. Take one of the concentrated plasma blades. You might need it if things go bad. Lucian took the blade and held it as though it were a newborn child. I won't forget this, he said, nearly in tears. Isaac also gave one to Zario and offered one to Filoni, who politely refused, and so he gave it to Vala. I'm not really one for swordplay, Filoni said, but here, this will help you get on the ship. He then handed Zario a small device. Uh, good thinking, thanks, Zario replied. The device was known as a cloaking device which could create a small field that would distort the light around it, effectively hiding the one holding it. It had a small range on it that could be slightly increased, enough for three people huddled near one another to easily hide together. And how exactly did you come across a cloaking device? Isaac asked them suspiciously, since cloaking devices were outlawed in all the major powers, and so certainly didn't exist openly in any other worlds either. It's a long story. Zario answered. Isaac stared at him. But it's a good one, Zario went on. I'll tell you sometime. Fine, Isaac said, then turned to Filoni. Do you have another one for you to use? What, another cloaking device? Filoni asked. Those things don't grow on trees, you know. Fine, fine, he replied. Just be careful and watch Rini's back. Finally, Isaac, Zario, and Vala made themselves look like pirates as much as possible rugged and filthy, for when they eventually would reveal themselves and take the ship. We should also probably come up with some pirate names, and one for our pirate crew, Zario said. You know, to really sell the act. I was thinking we could call Vala Madam Fireblade, 
now that we're decked out in concentrated plasma blades, and we're the Fireblade Pirates. What do you think? I think your mind goes to strange places, Phasic replied, but it's apparently good at this kind of work. I agree we should do what we can to sell the act, and we don't have time to debate pirate names, so that we'll just have to do. We all need to figure out how to make it work on the fly, because we need to do this now before the rest of the crew comes back to the ship. Let's go. Good luck. Omnis go with you, Reedy said to them as they departed. Thanks, Azik replied, but scoffed a little on the inside. Omnis clearly hasn't helped much to this point, he thought. Azik, Vala, and Zario quietly made their way down to where the Ascendancy ship was docked and hid nearby. There were enough containers and other large objects lying around that it wasn't very difficult. Looking up, they still maintained a line of sight with Philony, Ucion, and Rini of above, who were prepared to draw the ship's guards away when the others were ready. Azik and Vala got close to Zario, then Azik signaled to the others, and Zario turned the cloaking device on. The three were instantly hidden from sight. Help! Rini screamed. Someone help! The Outlanders are here! The Ascendancy soldiers guarding the ship looked up, startled by the cries of the woman from nearby. What should we do? said one of them. She said it was the Outlanders, another responded. Maybe we should go check it out. No way, replied a third. We're supposed to stand guard. I don't want to get in trouble with Drop. What, you don't think you'd be in trouble for letting the Outlanders escape? Help! This way! They're escaping! They heard Reedy shout again. Good point, the third soldier said again. Let's go get them. The four soldiers ran off toward where Rini was, brandishing their weapons. Let's move, Isaac said from behind the cloaking device's mirage. He, Zario, and Vala quickly made their way to the now-abandoned Ascendancy ship. They would need to keep a good distance from anyone if they were to remain hidden within the field. They made their way aboard without a problem. Luckily, Azik was familiar enough with all the Ascendancy's military vessels to find a suitable hiding place for them to wait until an opportune time to take over the ship. The group knew they would have to wait until they were out of Kostian space entirely before acting, and also before freeing the prisoners. Vala was quite nervous about the situation, but was a little relieved by how calm Azik and Zario seemed to be. She was correct about Azik, who wasn't concerned about this squad of Ascendancy soldiers nor was he a stranger to potentially deadly situations. Zario was less confident, but was at this point well accustomed to overcoming his fears with the thought that things will be what they'll be despite how he feels, and that he was going to die sometime anyway, so he might as well not get too hung up on living. We will return in two rotations, dropped the ascendancy officer said to Abu Avila, after we take the photo here back to Everall. Command wants to see him immediately. When we do come back, you better have the Outlanders for us. You don't want to know what will happen if you don't. Yes, of course, Abila replied amicably. We will do everything we can to locate them, but I'm just not sure if two rotations will be enough. Make it enough, Drop said again, then turned. Come on, back to the ship. His subordinates followed him back to the grav cars and they made for their frigate at the hangar. And you, Dropna said to Klaus with a wry smile, don't want to know what is going to happen to you once we reach the homeworld. Otter Glaus was almost in shock at what was happening. He was quite a simple man, 
and as his appearance suggested, was a bit advanced in years. He had never done anything adventurous or really very interesting in his life, apart from rescuing Isaac and the others, and he would have never done that if it weren't for the persistence of the voice, urging him to act because the appointed time had come. Or am I just delusional, as the Abo and everyone else believes, he wondered to himself. Why would Omis come to me of all people with such an important task? I've already proven I can't carry it out. Reality felt surreal to him now, as he figured he was heading to his death on the Ascendancy's capital world of Evroth. Only once they've tortured me sufficiently, his anxious mind added. The gravcars quickly took them from the temple to the hangar, and after clamping the gravcars to the frigate, began to board the ship. Sir, one of the soldiers standing guard at the ship began as drop and the others approached. We had an incident earlier. A woman was shouting that the Outlanders were here at the hangar, but when we went looking for them, we couldn't find them or the woman who was shouting. We asked some of the hangar workers, but none of them saw who it was or where they went. You're telling me the Outlanders were here and you let them escape? Drop asked angrily. Ah, why must I continually deal with incompetence? Get on board immediately. We are taking the old man back to command, and then returning. Let the locals worry about finding them before we come back. The soldiers all boarded the Ascendancy frigate. Then Crag, Drop's right-hand man, followed them with Photoglass walking bound beside him. And finally Drop himself and his other subordinate Nail boarded. Glass was taken to the other prisoners, who were glad to have a photo with them for their spiritual needs, yet sad to see he was also taken prisoner. Azik and the others also noticed Klaus taken past them into the prisoner's room, and looked at one another, knowing it was time for them to repay his favor to them. Even Azik felt that way, whether he was happy about their current predicament or not. The three escaped sight when everyone boarded, and the crew was now mostly on the bridge as they began to take off. Based on where he thought Kostia and Evroth to currently be in their cycles, he figured they had a bit of time to spare before they were safely away from Kostia and could at least try to fool the crew into thinking they had been boarded by pirates. What is this place? It smells strange, Lucian asked Rini, using his luminator to scour what seemed to be a deep tunnel that stretched and branched in countless directions. These are the tombs, Rini started and started to walk off in one of the directions. It is where all of our ancestors who have passed on are kept. Wait, Villani interjected, as he and Usian followed her. You're saying there are dead bodies throughout this cave? Well, it's not exactly a cave, Rini said again, but yes. Why would you keep dead bodies? He asked again. That seems very unhealthy. They're kept here where they don't cause harm to those above but we keep them as a symbol of our belief that they are still with us in some way now, and that we will rise in the end and be united with the one who created all things. Really? Lucian said, very intrigued by these beliefs. Right, Villani said, very skeptical of them. And what makes you think the Ascendancy won't find us here? They wouldn't come down here, Rini began, because they don't want to be near the dead any more than you do, and also... Even if they would think to search down here, they would know they would never find a Costian in our tombs. 
they would be labyrinths to any outsiders. I can see that, Roussillon declared. But you know your way around, right? Villainy said, now a little concerned he would end up among the corpses in this tunnel. Of course, Rini assured them. It does have some structure to it, once you get to know it, and most people on Costia spend a good amount of time down here, with their relatives. Villainy tried to remember if he had ever heard anything as crazy as that in his life, but he could not. He decided to change the subject. So what are we going to do now? How do we know when the soldiers are done looking for us? I will go back and check and let you know when it's safe, Rini replied. They won't know it was me that was calling for them. Okay, good idea, Villainy said. Just make sure you don't talk to any of them. They might recognize your voice. After a while, Rini led them to a different exit to the tombs that was still near the hangar. Still within the cavern, she stopped. Okay, wait here, and I'll go see if the way is clear. Leaving Philini and Usian, Rini walked nonchalantly toward the hangar, as if she was coming from the tombs and just passing by. She searched around as best she could without being suspicious, sort of afraid that one of the soldiers was going to sneak up behind her at any point. It's okay, she thought. They don't know what you look like. They've never seen you before. She tried to even her breaths and calm her nerves. She then noticed that the Ascendancy ship was gone altogether, and her body relaxed at once. She quickly returned to Philini and Usian and told them they were safe now. Okay, so again, Philini said to Rini, what now? I don't think there's a need for you to wait here at the hangar. But I want to be here when they return. If they return, she answered. Why don't you go back to Omnis, and we'll bring your graph car back here and keep an eye out for anything, Philini suggested. We can get back to you then if the Ascendancy returns, or bring your father and the others back when they get here. Okay, Rini agreed, and the three of them made for the graph car and went back to the capital city. Alright, Isaac whispered. It's time. Remember, we need to incapacitate the three officers first. They're the only ones likely to recognize us, especially Drop. I'll take care of him. He then handed Zario another small pistol he carried. It was a stun pistol. Don't miss, both of you. Be ready to put on a good show. Zario disengaged the cloaking device, and the crew cautiously made their way out of the room they were hidden in and toward the bridge. They were lucky that they seemed to have a skeleton crew on board, and Azik figured it might be because it wasn't Drop's normal ship. They didn't encounter anyone wandering the halls and successfully made it up to the bridge. Azik counted down, then with one swift motion, cut through the bridge door, barreled through it, and dashed with a stun blade drawn toward the commander's chair, currently occupied by Drop. What in? was all Drop had time to say as he turned halfway around in his chair, then was clobbered by the stun blade, knocking him out cold in one blow. Before they saw what had happened either, Zario had taken down Crag and Bala had stunned Nail. What? Are you Costians? One of the other soldiers asked, dumbfounded. Do we look like those religious fools? Isaac said in the gruffest voice he could muster. Then, then you're the outlanders we were sent for, the same soldier declared, more frightened now. Ascendancy dog, Bala now screeched in her own harsh tone. 
Surely you recognize the great Madame Fireblade, captain of the Fireblade Pirates, known and feared throughout the system. She then ignited the concentrated plasma blade Hazek had given her and flourished it as though she was an expert. Who? The soldier replied, now again sort of confused. Don't insult me, Paula screamed, now scaring everyone, including Hazek and Zario for a moment. She then turned to Zario. Scumfoot, give him the vines. Zario stared at her mildly annoyed, mildly amused, then took the set of vines they had found on the ship over to the soldier who had addressed them. Bala turned to the soldier again. Now tie all your comrades. The soldier reluctantly did so, tying up even the stunned officers, and they gathered near the center of the bridge. Sharptop, go with him and find a suitable place to store them for now. Aye, sir, Hazek answered, then yelled to the soldiers. Get moving. What do you want with us? The soldier worked up the nerve to ask as he was being dragged off. Your ship and everything on it, of course, Paula said. Except for you. Hazek and Zario then took the six soldiers and three incapacitated officers to the room they had waited in earlier, then took all their weapons and equipment, leaving them with no way to escape the room. Heading back the way they knew the prisoners to be, Hazek and Zarya turned the final corner and saw the door was now locked and unguarded, as the crew was all on the bridge. Once more cutting through, Hazek knocked in the door to see an astonished group of Costians, among them Fodder Glaus, who was sitting near the door, bent over. He looked up at what had happened, then smiled when he saw Hazek and Zario standing in the doorway, and began to laugh. <laughs>